So um, we're starting a two-week series, really, this morning. Series is a loose term uh, because it's not really long enough to be a series. Uh, maybe two weeks is for you, and you're like, ah, oh, we're going to get through this. But we're starting a two-week series today, uh, this morning, called Rescue and Resurrection. Rescue and Resurrection. And next week, we're going to kind of tie that into the Old Testament Jesus sacrifice in a brand new way um, that I've kind of been excited about. I've had this notes um, in my little notebook for a long time, and I, I don't... I'm usually writing sermons a week. This one I've had uh, in my back pocket for a while, so I'm I'm excited about that. I don't want you to miss it, not because of what I'm going to say, but because I know how God has wrecked my heart with this message already, and I hope that's going to be duplicated um, with you guys. So use those invite cards. Invite a friend, a coworker, whoever. Um, if they don't have a church, we would love for them to be here because a lot of churches, I think, often expect, you know, you have to change to be here. Um, you don't. You know, you have to be here to change. And so we want to invite people to be a, a part of that. But So that's next week with the resurrection part of next week. We're going to dive in today, though, is rescue. It's not the resurrection yet. It's the rescue. And so today is Palm Sunday. I don't know if you guys know that. We don't usually talk about, you know, kind of the traditional church liturgical calendar season of things. But it's Palm Sunday. And if you're following the traditional observance of Lent, which is 40 days, you started that back on on Ash Wednesday, and then we have these things coming up this week, Good Friday, and then Easter Sunday. And this week that we're in right now, or in entering into, is often called the Passion Week. It's the time we tend to talk, and it's the time we tend to walk through the last week of Jesus' life. And a lot of churches today around our country are probably talking about Palm Sunday, and Jesus coming into Jerusalem, entering on a donkey, and blah, blah, blah. A lot of us know this story we're not going to spend any time on that today. We're actually going to be looking at a different part of this story. Now, so you know, Jesus stays in Jerusalem throughout the week. I want to build this week out for us. Uh, he turns the tables over in the temple because they've turned it into a marketplace. And he also, during this week, continues to teach and to heal people. The disciple you may have heard of, this guy named Judas, anyone? Yes, no, Judas Iscariot. He agrees to betray Jesus and turn him into the chief priests for 30 pieces of silver. Uh, Then for the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, or also known as Passover, Jesus and his disciples go to an upper room, and they have what is known as the Last Supper. They didn't call it the Last Supper. They didn't know it was the Last Supper. Jesus did, but that's kind of what we've grown to call it. You may have a little heading that man wrote in later. It says, the Last Supper, and you're like, okay, that's where that section is. And then after dinner, this Last Supper, Jesus leaves to... Judas leaves to go do his dirty work. We know what he's going to go do. And then the disciples sing a song. Oftentimes we breeze past that. It's not just dinner, hooray. No, they sing a song together. They sing a psalm of praise. And then they leave to go out to go to the Mount of Olives, this garden of Gethsemane, for Jesus to pray. It says that Jesus went there as usual. So this wasn't something that was unusual for Jesus to go off by himself and pray. And I want to pause really quick this second because... Is that something that we build in our daily habits? So, yeah, this is usual for us. I go off and I pray. My coworkers know that this is usual. My friends know. My family know that this is usual. This is who I am. And I'm going to set aside this time, whether it's five minutes or 15 minutes or an hour, to go into my quiet place and, and be in this presence that we've been singing about this morning. That My soul longs. I want to spend that time with God. So Jesus did this as usual. It was part of his habits. 
It's a tough 24 hours that Jesus is getting ready to go into because he knows what's going to happen. He knows he's going to be betrayed by his brother in Christ and himself, yes, Judas. He's going to be turned over to the chief priests. He's going to be handed over to the Romans with Pontius Pilate to be brutally scourged, whipped, and maimed, and to carry a heavy cross up on a hill to die. This is Jesus' future 24 hours. So I want to pick up into this Garden of Gethsemane. And it says the disciples went out there, and then specifically it mentions Peter, James, and John went farther than the others. And they were in this place, and they get blamed a lot. Jesus comes back, he's going off to pray, and he comes back, and he goes off to pray, and he comes back. And each time Jesus comes back from praying by himself, he catches the disciples asleep. It's like, oh, are you serious? You're napping again? But of the Peter, James, and John, we know at least that John didn't sleep as long as the others because in his gospel, he records some of the things that Jesus was praying about. And it's not a long chapter. It's John chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to invite you to turn there because we're going to read the entire chapter. We're going to read Jesus' prayer before he's getting ready to go do what he's about to do. And this is big for us. I don't know if people spend a lot of time on this because this prayer is broken up into three sections. And so this is John chapter 17. These are the words of Jesus. He looked heavenward and prayed. He said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Here's the second part of his prayer. He prays for his disciples. Because he knows what's going to happen for them and how hard this road is going to get for them this weekend. Because he's going to die and they're going to have the responsibility to prove after witnessing his resurrection that this guy didn't stay dead. He only borrowed the grave for three days and then he came back out. It's not an easy story to tell, right? If I went to you, I said, you know, I I know this guy. Uh, He was dead and he was dead for like three days. We buried him, um, and then he came back to life. How many of you would believe me? Like, it's zero, because like, medical science teaches us it's not a reality TV show, therefore it can't exist. And so we're in this place of, no, that can't really happen. I didn't read it on Facebook, because that's always true. All right? It's a tough sell. But these disciples were there, they lived it, they breathed it, they were a part of it, and they couldn't contain the resurrection. Again, before that's next week for us, let's read how Jesus prays for his disciples. I reveal to you that those whom you gave me out of the world, they were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, 
He knows what he's getting ready to go do. He says, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them, and I kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. And that's Judas picking up into verse 13. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the word has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. So sanctify or make them holy by the truth. And your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself so that they too may be truly sanctified. And if you're wondering, Josh, where are you going with this? It's getting ready to come right here. Because Jesus, before he went to the cross, prayed for you. He prayed for you specifically. Thousands of years ago, before he's getting ready to go bear this weight of sin and shame for the world, before you were born, before you had fingers and toes, before your parents had parents had parents, he knew you and he prays for you. Let's read this here together. Verse 20, talking about the disciples, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have gave me, and they may, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, that's us, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. That's what we inherit by knowing and loving him. Finally, in closing, he says, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. He wants to be with us. His prayer thousands of years ago was to be with you. Knowing what he was about to go do, knowing that he was about to take our sin, our shame, the weight of the world upon his shoulders and carry it for us on that cross. He prayed for you. Jesus was willing and ready to endure the pain of your sin as his suffering. And he spent some of his last recorded words with you on his heart, praying for you, for those that believe. And he prayed for you to be again brought back to that complete unity, for all your broken and fractured parts to be made whole in his love. But in order for you and I to really recognize his sacrifice, we have to admit something that is very hard for us. You see, we put up this front, you know, we put up this wall, this facade, this version of our best self that we 
let the world see. We allow them to see it. We use things like social media to enhance that front, making it seem to many that we have everything put together. We have great lives, maybe, or maybe it's that we have great friends and families or jobs, or we brag on our new car. We go to these jobs or to our schools, we go to our classes, and we have this ability to turn on this fake-it mode, I think, as any other generation before us has not had either the opportunity or the ability to do with Facebook and social media. We turn on this fake-it mode for everybody, and we exist in that so long, we try to start believing it. We put up this mask, but you know what? Jesus can see through fake-it mode. Jesus can see right through the mask. We can't hide anything before God. And this simple fact I'm about to share is hard for us to admit because we are professionals at keeping our guard up, at hiding who we are and our faults, at concealing our corruptions. We're really good at it. And it's all of us. It's you, yeah. But it's not just you. It's every single person in this room and in Brevard County and in Florida and the world. No one is exempt from this next statement. This is the hard part for us to admit. This is our point for today. There is no point in remembering the resurrection when you ignore that you're in need of rescuing. There is no point in remembering the resurrection when you ignore that you are in need of rescuing. There's a Sunday coming up that a lot of people will walk through church doors simply because it's that time of year. You might be one of those people, even though you've been here way more than just one or 15 or 25 Sundays. You can be in church your whole life and not be a Christian. The same as sitting in a garage doesn't make you a car. And maybe this is a light bulb for you that goes off in your life today. A light bulb that says, you know what, I've never really let my walls down enough. I've never made myself vulnerable to the Savior I profess to follow. I've been lying to myself that I'm, I'm not in need of rescue. I'm exempt somehow. That I'll be fine on my own. I'll make it eventually. That I'll do things my way and maybe I'll do the church thing when it doesn't go well, my response to that would be, how's that working for you? This morning is a time to sit down, look in the mirror, metaphorically, and be real with yourself. Because for all of us, all of us in this room, there is no point in remembering the resurrection when you ignore that you are in need of rescuing. You're not exempt. No one is. That's why Jesus came, lived, died on a cross for you, and rose again. We are all flawed, messed up, broken people who are in need of a Savior. And if you're honest enough with yourself, you already know deep down in your heart that this is true. We're going to watch a video for a few minutes coming up here. And I saw this video... A week and a half ago, speaking of social media, I tried to scroll back through and find this exact one. Man, it's like a nightmare going through to try to just load a a past day 
of Facebook posts and stuff. I'm like, when will I ever get there? This was like Monday or Tuesday. Finally, finally found this video because this was the specific. I'm like, you know what? God, just, I've been thinking about it all week. I had a different message. We we're going to talk about Peter this morning. And God's wrecking my heart last night. No, we're not talking about Peter. We've been mean enough to Peter lately. We'll, we'll talk about him at another time. We're going to talk about what I want you to talk about this morning. And this is, this is it. We're going to watch a video. Everyone loves a feel-good story. Everyone loves a comeback. Everyone loves an underdog. Everyone loves a turnaround. Maybe that needs to be you this morning. We're going to watch this video. It's about this dog named Benji. And you don't know how many sad rescue dog videos with Sarah McLaughlin playing in the background. I had to watch to find this exact one, but I found it. There's something about Sarah McLaughlin like it can't be a sad dog video without her singing a song. So she's singing a song on this one. But I want you to notice a few things. First of all, I want you to put yourself in his shoes because that is you. Secondly, there's a sign that's glanced at for a second, just a second, where this dog is rescued. I want to see if you can notice that sign. I hope you have tissues. This is going to hit you right in the feels. Do I need a permission slip for this feels trip? No, feels trip, no, you don't, but I like it. I want to invite you to watch this video this morning and be real with yourself because what these people are doing for this dog is what Jesus has done and wants to do for you. If you haven't ever let him in, this dog has to let be let to rescue. You'll see it in the video. I'll stop talking about it and let, let's watch. And the dog is here. I see the dog. He's under this Chevy. We gotta get the stick. Close the gate, close the gate. Quickly, quickly. Side by side. You ready for a better life? 
Maybe you, like Benji, have never really known what true love feels like. Maybe your life is matted and tangled like his flea-ridden hair has gotten to the point that it just feels like it's killing you. Maybe you've lived a lifetime of neglect. Maybe you simply feel undesirable. Maybe when you look in the mirror, you think to yourself that there is no possible way that anyone would truly care for you or love you. How could they? But Jesus came and he lived and he died to change all of that for you. He said, I'll be neglected. I'll be shamed and spat on. I'll be stripped naked and mocked and beaten and hung bleeding on a cross in front of my family. I'll do that. For you. He said, I'll take the punishment. I will carry all of the weight of your sin and hang it on the cross with me. He said, I'll show you the truest love that you've ever seen and I'll die for you. Because he knew then that you today are in need of a Savior. You are in need of rescue. And he is chasing after you. 
just like those people in the video and the dog. And sometimes we run. He's chasing after you, pursuing you relentlessly and endlessly, trying to show you that he loves you. Today, it may be just your time to stop running. It's time to stop lying to yourself. It's time to, like that song said, it's time to come home. You see, that dog was completely different, right, before and after. He's like, you couldn't even recognize it. Jesus wants to do that in your life. It's time to remember the resurrection. And maybe for the first real time, because maybe it's the first time you know that you are in need of rescuing, that you're real with yourself. Say, you know what? I'm not a dog, but I identify with Benji because that is me in my life. And this is why Jesus took your sin and bore it on a cross. This is why he died, because he knew you are worth it. Thousands of years ago, he prayed for you because he knew you are worth it. He wants a relationship with you that nothing on this earth can comprehend. He wants to be with you in a lonely, lost world. And just like Benji, he wants to pick you up out of the places that you think you can't get out of in your life and show you the rescue that you are worth it. And with his love and care, your life with him will be unrecognizable to what it was before. You and I, we're rescues today. We're rescues. We have different pasts and different backgrounds. We might be a different breed, different color, different size, different shape. But we all are rescues. We don't deserve his love, his grace, or his mercy. But the gift he offers us, to all of us who believe, is that he is as good as he says he is. And he is good. He is loving. He is kind. He is merciful. He will pull you off the streets of your life into a precious place with Him. He can shave away like that dog Benji the years of neglect that you have and replace it with a crown of gold. For Benji was a collar and a home. This morning we're going to share in this Last Supper again and remember His sacrifice for us. And for all of us in this time, let us remind ourselves that in order to remember this resurrection, to do what he told us to do, he said, whenever you gather together, do this in remembrance of me. If we're going to remind ourselves of his sacrifice, of his resurrection, we have to also remind ourselves that we are in need of rescue. We can't ignore that. But Jesus is our rescuer. This table has been set. It's been prepared for you. Just like the disciples did in a room thousands of years ago. That table was prepared. So Jesus, go do this. John and other disciples went and got this place ready. And they met in that upper room in that night. He said, you know what? You don't understand this yet, but I'm getting ready to leave you. I'm going to go fulfill my purpose on this earth. I'm going to die on a cross for you and you don't know it. I'm going to die on a cross for people a thousand years from now that don't know my name and they don't know it, but it's for them. I'm going to pray for them in the next few hours because I know what I'm getting ready to endure for them, for you. 
this is your table this morning. This is Jesus' body and blood. Shed and broken for you. Yes, for the world, but today it's personal. It's for you. Because you are in need of rescue. You are in need of rescue. And this might be your moment of redemption. So I'm going to invite Jay, uh, Richard, and the band to come up. And they're going to hold these elements, this simple bread and, and juice that we're going to take together. I'm going to invite you to come up, kind of start on this side, and then go down this way and go back to your seat. I'm going to invite you to just take that uh, small piece of bread, just dip it in the juice. As you do that, if you want to spend some time to pray, I'm also going to ask Yvonne and Mary. Uh, everyone say, everyone knows Yvonne and Mary, right? If, uh, if you just need some prayer, or this is a, a moment for you, that you just need some time to say, you know what, I, I'm that guy. I'm that Benji in the video that can't admit to myself in the mirror that I'm a rescue. I'm going to invite Yvonne and Mary, if you want someone to pray with, they're going to be there for you. You're that rescue this morning. And it's hard not to get the feels when we look at that video, but that's how Jesus views us with this compassion, like, oh, you're so precious. No one else can see what I can see in them. Let's brush off the hair. Let's clean them up. Let's give them a bath. We call that baptism here. Let's give them a bath. Let's clean them up. Let's get rid of the, the dirt and the mange, and the bugs that infest their lives, and no one will be able to recognize this creature. That's why he came to do what he did. So I'm going to invite you to share in this table as a rescue, just like the rest of us, and be redeemed through his grace and mercy. As you guys are led, I invite you to come.